What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it? In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not uncommon for families with young children to have some Legos lying around the house. This was certainly the case in our home for many years. However, as our kids have gotten older, strangely, the Legos haven't really gone away. If anything, I feel like they're multiplying. For Father's Day this year, even I received a Lego set. It's part of the Lego Ideas series, which are inspired by fan creations, and it's actually a Lego set of a four-piece jazz band. And truth be told, I love it. If you've ever built with Legos, you've probably experienced that feeling that you get when you can't find that one piece that you really, really need. Forget the hundreds or, God forbid, thousands of other Legos sloshing around in the box or on the floor. We become naturally, even involuntarily, obsessed with that one single piece that is lost. In today's Gospel, our Lord tells two stories about things that are lost. The first is a sheep, and the second is a coin. And if we were to continue on reading in this chapter in St. Luke, we would hear a third story about a lost son. It is the prodigal son. These three stories are bundled tightly together. In fact, it would seem that these three are in fact one. Scholars like to point out that when St. Luke writes, so Jesus told them this parable, that the word parable is singular and not plural. So these three stories are designed to go together. Why then are we only reading two of them today instead of all three? What about that famous parable of the prodigal son? Well, I don't know why it is that the stories have been broken up, but I do know that we have not left out the prodigal son. In fact, we read that story earlier this year in the season of Lent for one of the gospel readings. Today then, mindful that we're missing the prodigal, we're left to focus on the stories of the lost sheep and the lost coin. So to begin, why does Jesus even tell this parable, these stories, in the first place? What prompts this response from him? We're told that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus tells them this parable. Unseemly characters and people behaving badly were drawing near to Jesus. Worse yet, he doesn't shun them, but he actually receives them and even eats with them. What's the big deal? Well, as 20th century Scottish New Testament scholar William Barclay points out, the Pharisees and scribes would be shocked to the core at the way in which Jesus companied with people who were not only rank outsiders, but sinners, contact with whom would necessarily defile. He says, we will understand these parables more fully if we remember that the strict Jews said not, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, but rather, 
There will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. They looked sadistically forward, not to the saving, but to the destruction of the sinner. And if we're honest, it can be tempting for us too to fall into this same sadistic mindset and even to project it onto God. But today's gospel is a sure antidote to this temptation. In today's gospel, our Lord demonstrates that, as the prophet Ezekiel writes, God does not desire the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn from their ways and live. The Pharisees and the scribes, they do not engage Jesus directly. They just sort of murmur amongst themselves. And they are obviously within earshot as Jesus then tells them this parable or these three stories. The lost sheep and the lost coin both invite the listener to identify with that unnerving, unsettling, frustrating feeling of having lost something that is precious and desiring desperately to find it. Dr. Garwood Anderson, the dean of Neshota House, in his teaching on the parables of Jesus says, a person who has lost something can, for that time, only think of the thing that he or she has lost. You have thousands of possessions and one thing you can't find. Nobody says, yeah, but I have all this other stuff. The thing you can't get over is the fact that you're missing one thing, the thing that is lost. And the underlying message of Jesus' stories is both simple and astonishing. The message is, to his hearers is this, that this is how much God loves you. So much that he almost kind of loses his mind until he finds what is precious to him, until he finds what has been lost. In these two stories, there is an urgency, there is action, there is perseverance on the part of both the shepherd and the woman. He goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. She lights a lamp and sweeps the house and seeks diligently until she finds it. Such is the heart of God for us. On this point and on this particular day of remembrance, I cannot help but think of those courageous men and women who 21 years ago headed straight for ground zero who went straight into the danger and disaster, who lit their lamps and went after and sought diligently for all those who were lost. Those first responders on September 11th, 2001, on that day, and in the days, weeks, and months following, in New York, Pennsylvania, at the Pentagon, they truly displayed and embodied and manifested this very principle that our Lord teaches in today's gospel, that the one living and true God loves us so much that he comes to us and seeks us and searches for us and is willing to give up his own life for us that we too might have life. This is his entire mission and purpose. As St. Paul writes, 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now it may be tempting upon reading these parables to wonder, well, when has God ever pursued me? I'm not sure I feel him frantically searching, seeking, anxiously looking for me. More often than not, I wonder if he even knows who I am or that I even exist, let alone go hunting for me. I feel like I've fallen through the cracks and been forgotten more than that God is on a crazed search for me. But beloved, this is the very point of Jesus' parable. This is exactly what God is doing. And he has done so in the grandest, most cosmic of ways, sending his own son into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. The Pharisees have caught Jesus in the act, so to speak, doing the very thing that he has come to do. God incarnate has come into the world, milling about and mixing it up with tax collectors and sinners. Imagine that this is the heart of God for each one of us. He does not desire the death of sinners, but that we would turn from our sin and be saved. And there is more. Not only has God come into the world to earnestly and even desperately seek and save that which is lost, but he invites and empowers us to do the same on his behalf. The Pharisees obviously do not pick up on this point, quite the contrary. They are aghast that Jesus would be fraternizing with people of such questionable character. But what of us, Jesus' followers, today? There was a great third-century African bishop and martyr, St. Cyprian of Carthage, which is modern-day Tunisia. St. Cyprian was martyred under the persecutions of the church by the Emperor Valerian. He was put to death by the sword on September 14th of the year 258 AD. You may recognize September 14th as the Feast of the Holy Cross, which we will celebrate this coming week. However, this feast was not established until some 75 years after his death in the middle of the 4th century. It is as if St. Cyprian's martyrdom anticipated the feast of our Lord's cross. It is St. Cyprian who famously wrote, You cannot have God for your father if you do not have the church for your mother. The church is indeed our mother. Many of the church fathers have pointed out that the woman in this story of the lost coin is herself a symbol of the church. The fourth century bishop of Milan, St. Ambrose, writes of the symbolism of these three stories. He says, who are the father, the shepherd, and the woman? They are God the Father, Christ, and the church. Christ carries you on his body, he who took your sins on himself. The church seeks and the father receives. The, the shepherd carries, the mother searches, the father clothes. The point is this, it is the role and purpose of the church, the bride of Christ, to continue in this work of our Lord. As Carol reminded us a couple weeks ago, another way of putting it, Jesus has given us his gig. 
we too are called to light a lamp and go after and sweep the house and seek diligently for not just those in our own Christian community, not the 99 righteous who, as Jesus says, have no need of repentance, a little tongue in cheek there, but that one sheep, that one coin, that one child who is lost. As Christians, what would others say of us about the company that we keep? N.T. Wright asks it this way with this provocative question. What would we have to do in the visible public world if we were to make people ask the questions to which stories like these are the answer? In other words, how might our lives reflect this urgent, active, and persevering love of Almighty God revealed to us through His Son? Queen Elizabeth, who went on to glory this last week, in what would be her final letter written to the Lambeth Conference of Bishops that was gathered earlier this year in August, she wrote this, I know that the conference is taking place at a time of great need for the love of God, both in word and deed. As it has been in every age, we continue to live in an age, in a time of great need for the love of God, both in word and deed. May God grant grace to us, his church, to follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ and to keep our lamps lit, to continue to sweep the house and seek diligently for that which is lost, for our salvation and for that of the world. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.